Ruth, how's Long Beach, California treating you? Right now, I hate its little guts because we're in the middle of a hideous heat wave. September's the worst month out here in general, but this heat wave has gone on for over a week and it's due to a hurricane down in Baja, California, and it should end the day after tomorrow when we might get rain. When did you move to Long Beach? How long ago? Well, I moved to Long Beach about a year and a half ago, but I've California has been in my life since I was 15. Okay. Yeah. You were, oh, you were, you were, you've been all over the place. You were born on the East Coast. Yeah. You've been all over the place. You traveled to Paris multiple times by your lonesome. Yeah. <laughs> you traveled the world. You're like the you're like the lone the lone ranger. Yeah, except I don't travel the world. I'm I'm really just Europe and the States. Europe and the States. Do you like traveling by yourself? Well, yes. I mean, I because I grew up in a big family. I was the older, oldest, one of the oldest kids of six. And I've spent my whole life wanting to just do things on my own. But I got married young, then I had children, then I got divorced, but I still had the children, then I got married again. And he had to just, we had four children. And then he, and then I took care of my father. I mean, I have, I'm only just now living by myself um, for the last four years. First time ever, not even a pet. And I'm 73, and I can't tell you the freedom involved. I mean, I I have friends, you know, and stuff. I have a lot of friends, but I love this living by myself. But the traveling alone part, once I get there, it's great. It's exactly what I like. But the getting on the planes, beforehand packing, the taxi to get you to the airport, the taxi to get to the new place, the I hate it. I hate it. And and right now the pandemic came along and stopped the travel for me, except within Oregon and California and Chicago. Those are my three hubs here. And um, I just, I don't mind staying at home right now. Right. So you mentioned for the past four or five years, you've been solo, you've been single. What happened? Did you get another divorce? Did he pass? What what, what happened there? Oh, well, I, I divorced my second husband and I divorced both husbands. So I wasn't one of those that had a lot of angst over my divorces. But um, no, uh, my father, I lived with my father. My father and I lived together. Actually, one of my children was there after my mother died. And I had just gotten divorced. And he was a wonderful man. We had a great big beach house on the beach and I was the available kid to be with him. And so mm. I moved on in and kind of ran that show, sort of the matriarch thing, sort of. I don't think my siblings would count it that way, but he, my dad, was very grateful. So I was there for 12 years until until he died. And then, so you mentioned that you kind of were the one that pulled the trigger on both divorces, it sounds like. Yeah. You were the proactive. You were the protagonist. That's what, right. what was what was it? Why why is it so easy for you to dump these guys after spending a, a significant portion of time with them? What was going on? Yeah, well, each one was different. Um, the bringing up the bad news is my first husband was an alcoholic, and I was an alcoholic right along with him, and so and we got married at nineteen. We had two. Whoa! I keep hitting my desk. I'm going to take off my rings. Um, he. So how did that go? Oh, so we had the two children later in the marriage after 10 years of marriage. I didn't drink during that time at all, you know, but after they were born, I mean, he just, I just couldn't be married. I didn't want my children near an alcoholic and I had loved him and he'd loved me, but we got married too young. We knew it. It was just, you know, so it was done. 
And the second husband was a whole different story. You know, that was a good marriage. He was a wonder. That, I had seven years being single in between there. <clears throat> and he was uh, and is, he still is, a wonderful stepfather. And he had his own two children. But I'll tell you, just putting it simply, and I think it's all about me needing to be alone. You know, I, I did the wife thing. I'm never doing the wife thing again. I just... Uh, even though it's nice, it really is. Marriage and domesticity is very nice. But um, my mother died and my father was suddenly alone. And my husband and I were kind of in a bad place too. All our kids were teenagers or in college or drug issues. I <clears throat> started drinking again. And so I quit drinking for good, went to AA and the whole thing. And it was just time i chose my father over my husband why couldn't you have chosen both what was going on oh we tried we you tried did. yeah we moved both my husband and i he was willing to moved into our beach house his family house we'd had since 1962 and it's wonderful and but it didn't work i had two alpha males in the house and it was killing my my husband his pride his sense of self and but by then, I'd had him for 15 years, you know. I just, yeah, he, was, he was old news but at I that point. I was done. I was done. And you were done. You had, you had enough of him. He got boring. He got, he got, he wasn't doing the trick anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe it was, maybe the bedroom wasn't good anymore, Ruth. Oh, the bedroom was always good. The night before the I announced I wanted good. a divorce. <laughs> we Even had the night before, so, huh? Oh, yeah. No, he's so what a, happens the night before you sit, you go and you make want to make love to him. And then the next day you, you drop a bomb on him. Did you? Well, it did didn't you, happen like that. It's a long story. I'm not going to go into that here, but he did something. like just straw. it was the straw that broke the camel's back. And usually what it, he was passive aggressive <laughs> and I'm overt. So the two of us, it took me a long time to catch on to the passive aggressive. He could recognize the overt you know, right away with me. But um, so it was just that it was kind of an unfortunate period of our lives. And the kids mm. were, I was newly sober. My son was crashing in drugs and his daughter was, I don't know. It was, it's it, was, it was a little time. chaotic. It sounded like a little chaotic yeah. there at the But end. he's happily remarried. So I don't have to feel guilty. And I don't. And the first husband died of alcoholism. So mm. about- And you're done. You're, you're done being in a, a committed- legal relationship you, you do, do you date around i mean i know sex is a big thing for you that's why i'm asking you these questions because i've seen you <laughs> no, on the beach no. talking about sex with your friends and all these other things and she's 73 <laughs> and she's vibrant and she's living life yeah uh is is uh so is that is that what's happening i mean sex is a, a important piece right yeah sex is an important piece and sex by oneself can be pretty satisfying too hey now yeah, and that's what I always tell women. They're like, you know, well, I don't know, you don't know what I should do. When I got divorced, my second husband, my daughter, who by then was 25 or 26 or whatever, she called me from a sex toy store and said, Mom, I'm here with Brian, who was her husband, and we want to pick out a vibrator for you. I have it. Which, which color do you want, pink, purple, or white? And that began <laughs> that. <laughs> that began a whole new journey. Yeah, you know, I don't know why why I didn't think of sex things, you know. And then and then along the way I've had relationships, but you know, not I'm just I can't find I don't find my, listen, I'm ready to fall in love. I would love to fall in love now. You so, would. You would. Yeah. But if you found somebody that you truly loved, you don't believe you'd want to get married. 
I think financially speaking, it would be complicated. And I, I have a friend who is remarrying now for the fifth time, but um, they both, she's finally picked a real man who has as much money as she has. And so she can't swing it around. I mean, and they're getting married, but mm. he's never been married. I, the married thing, I would want to get married again for the dress, the party. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. want to just have a good time. You just want to have a good, fun party. That's all. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. even have to and be I, I do. I do understand the beauty of, I have so many friends now who've been, whose marriages survived. And they are on the other side where the children are grown. And they're in their 60s and 70s. And they're still vibrant. And they have money because they never lost it in divorces and things like that, you know, and they're rediscovering each other. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, do you say that it's complicated uh, marriage again because of all the assets that you've accumulated over your life and, you know, you start bringing somebody else in, they've got assets. Is that what you meant by complicated? Yeah. I mean, you yeah. usually everyone has grown children by now. And believe me, they are not easy to deal with when it comes to your what, your who, who are you going to, even my father, when he first, when my mother first died, we encouraged him to go out and he went out on a few days, but then it was just all of us kind of are like, wait a minute. <laughs> and he didn't want to anyway. So right. it's like that, you know, there's the people don't think about the complications of the grown children in the second marriage and third marriage, you know, sure. that, Complicated. And but so you're still out there, you're still out there doing your thing. You're dating. How do you date? How do you meet people at this point? Oh, that's hard, especially during the pandemic. But I've had I just meet them through my you know where I've met people. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Instagram. Instagram. Yes. (laughs) Of course. The world's number one dating app. Oh my God. Well, yeah, it's kind of sad that way. I don't know. Men should stop friending me on and following me. I mean, because I don't respond to any of that stuff at all. But you gradually, you know, meet my entire social life in Paris is due to first, it was Facebook when I started going over there in 2006 or whatever. It's, it's evolved, you know, from meeting people because you kind of, well, do you like social media? Let me ask you that. Um, I don't like it a lot, to be quite honest with you. So yeah, I, I use it. That's right. I looked you up and I get to to you and you're one of those with the private Instagram <laughs> account. And I thought, never mind. Well, you know, I, I've done both. And then I just realized I, I've been trying. I try to start using it more for, uh, publicly at times over the years because of the podcast, of course. And then I just started to realize, and then I would, I don't love being public. I don't have much to, you know, I'm not an influencer. I'm not trying to inspire people or do this thing or show off my life. So that's just not me though. I mean, there's plenty, I I saw your Instagram page today and I actually sent you a message before this saying, Hey, I may be on a few minutes early. You probably didn't see it because I'm sending you a private and I'm not your friend, but, um, but, oh uh, yeah! People, I'm looking at I'm looking at your I'm looking at your page. I'm like, this is super entertaining. I mean, I, I think it's fantastic. But personally, I don't love it. Well, you know, a lot of yeah, most of my men friends are on it sporadically. You know, they'll kind of post a picture of themselves or not, or say something once in a while. Yeah, most most men I know, and my son, my two brothers, forget it. Oh, my entire family is completely, they're so stuck in the back. I could be out there, I don't know what, and my five siblings would not have a clue as to what is going on in my life at all. And yet people 
in Europe and here, they know, and I know what they're doing. I'm curious, I'm a writer, you know? So I, people are interesting to me. And I traveled a lot as a, I didn't travel a lot as a child. I got yanked out of the various places I lived as my father climbed the corporate ladder and we moved. And in fact, at 12, I found myself living in Brussels, Belgium. And let me tell you, I was not pleased. And um, it turned out to be an amazing three years of my life living over there because our school the school encouraged parents to take their kids traveling with them and that's when my parents would take me once in a while on business trips with dad and the rest of the kids didn't get to go but i was 12 and 13 i was old enough and, and i was always into geography so i loved that part of it. i did love that part but um you know it's it's yeah instagram's a, a great way to communicate with people connect with people yeah. and i gotta tell you if i was single i probably would be public i probably would post more stuff <laughs> well, what about your wife? Does she? Oh, she's not on Instagram. Well, I'm engaged. I mean, I actually was divorced years years ago, and uh, I'm engaged. No, but we we're both private. We're both private. Oh, I know you were disappointed. You're like, who's this podcast guy? We're going to do an interview, and oh my god, he's got a private page. What's wrong with this guy? But well, you know I, what I found? I, Let me yeah. tell you this. Let me just say this, Ruth. What I found over the years is that whether I'm private, public, whatever, it, I get I get just as many downloads private as i do public people find the podcast in so many different ways outside of social media. actually social media is not a very good way to get someone to listen to a podcast because well it's not a good way to get anybody to buy a book either let me tell you right which book have you had the most success with of your three the first one <laughs> the first one me myself in paris yeah <laughs> Me, myself. Yeah, and, and that was back then. And I was much more proactive. I'm going to, uh, I've got a, a back situation. It, always, always. I've done a lot of sports and exercise and yoga and you destroy your back in the process. Anyway, um, that book, I think I did more marketing for. I actually wasted money on a publicity, a marketing publicity person. <clears throat> and uh, but for some reason it, it did really well and then the second one not as much and then I had a big gap of seven years or something well I don't know what I was doing at the time but anyway and then I wrote this latest one um it was after my father died and it was because I was coming up to 70 and and when I turned 70 I totally freaked out and I thought oh my god I mean this has gone too far this aging thing has gone <laughs> too far right. But then suddenly I was 71 and then 72 and now I'm 73 it's it's and I'm still me. And so that's when where my my journey to ageless that was the, when I got up my birthday last year 72 and looked in the mirror and said you're 72 effing years old. I said and I didn't I felt like myself. So <clears throat> I said I I finally understood what the the true meaning of the word ageless is, you know, really it means without an age. I mean, I have to actually think how old I am. Never when I was younger did I think 70 would be like this. What did you think it would be like? You thought it was going to be like you're going to be rocking in a rocking chair and just dwindling away? What? Basically, you know, not that bad. My parents were very active, you know, although my mother died at 79. My father died at 93. But um, I just, I thought... I thought your looks would cave in and there'd be nothing you could do about it. Well, that turns out to not be true. I mean, I knew I'd have a facelift at 19 because I adored Marlena Dietrich and I knew she had facelifts and that's why she looked so good. So, you know, by then I knew, I, I mean, I avail myself to all of that kind of maintenance stuff and I love it. 
while at the same time doing a ton of yoga, drinking a ton of water, you know, trying to keep the body and mind and soul healthy. And it takes work, particularly during a heat wave. I'm a complete and total whiner during, I hate this weather. <laughs> so this yeah, is I'm what inspired you. In a good mood here. <laughs> yeah, this is what inspired you to write, baby, I'm the boss of me. Mm -hmm. You got to this point, what you, this book came out within what, when you were 72? Yeah. Yeah. So baby, there it is. If you're watching the video, baby, I'm the boss of me. My journey to ageless, Ruth Yunker. That's great right. cover. Great cover. Thank um, you. Wonderful. So, so you, you come out and you write this book, baby, I'm the boss of me. I want to hear more about a little bit more about the book for who's your target audience. Who are you inspiring? Who might you be able to be able to help? Let's start there. And then I've got some follow-up for you. All right. Well, I originally was writing it for women my age is how it started. I've always been into women my age, whatever age I am. My, I have three sisters and my mother and two brothers whom I love. And my, But my mother, a good Southern woman, always said, stick with the women, girls. Stick with the women. Always have a good, best fr women friend. And she's right. You know. And so... Um, but then why is she right why is she right ruth what what about that is important well i you know i don't know i don't have a good grasp on a lot of women the type of women that i'm sort of going to refer to here not negatively but just that i don't think that way there's a whole crew of women that go around thinking <clears throat> that other women are out to get them that that there's that routine going on you know or you're out for their husband when I lived in a neighborhood where that sort of thing, when I actually got divorced and still my friends all had husbands, there was a huge shift and, you know, worried that, you know, I was going to go after their stupid husbands. I, I don't know what, I just got rid of my husband. Why would I want yours for Pete's sake? And there's, so there's that kind of attitude. There's a lot of uh, nowadays uh, women my age who are saying I'm aging organically. So there's this whole movement on, I am transitioning, they'll say in, on Instagram, everything, transitioning. And what they're, they're not talking about transgender. Are they aware of what that even sounds like? They're, which is an important, difficult decision to make. They are talking about letting their hair go gray. Right. I've that's made that. probably the wrong choice of words right now. In huh? today's day and age, that's the wrong choice of words to use. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they don't get it. They don't see it. I think that they don't. I don't know if it's because I had to move around so often as a child and then as an adult, I've done it too, that I'm very aware of the people, you know, who they are. I'm a kind of um, amateur sociologist type thing, you know, and when I get to a new place, I, I don't try to fit in because people say, I'm going to be myself no matter what. Yeah, well, that's great. But you also want people to understand you and, and get where you're coming from. So... I'll kind of adjust my clothes or whatever, you know, give, be in Paris, particularly do it their way. I got, otherwise you'll never get a smile the whole time you're there. And other, or you will, you know? So it sounds like your, your real target audience are other women in that stage of life. Really? That's your prime audience. Except hey, I'm going to inspire these women to live their best, to, to be ageless. Age is just a number is basically what you're telling people. That's what I'm telling. And then I'll say, yeah, but, you know, you can do this or yeah, but you can do that. And and I don't have any answers for that because I think partially 
when you look at a person, you don't know what they've been through. I mean, I nearly lost my son to drugs. I'm a recovering alcoholic. And I haven't had a drink in 22 years, you know, and I don't want to drink. I'm relieved, you know, and um, my daughter stopped drinking at 21. You know, it's having it nearly with my son, I nearly lost him, had to do the tough love, send him off, knew, almost hoped he would die because I thought if this is what you're going to end up being, he was all into psychedelics and, and threw him out. And he said, well, when can I see you again? And I said, I, all I can tell you is, you know, be an AA with a sponsor for six months and then you can call me. You actually, it got so bad and so dark that you actually didn't care if your own son was going to be dead at that point. Is that what you're saying? It was not that I didn't care. I hope for his sake, you know, you hope for his sake that he, spending that... money on sending their kid over and over and over again to rehab. And it is a complete and total waste of money. That has to be an extremely frustrating position as a parent. Not you're, frustrating, you're, you're heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, uh, yes. When you're terrifying. Flesh, when terrifying. your flesh and blood is so almost helpless and hopeless. And you, see, and you see, all you see when you look at that child, or certainly for me, when I'd look at my son, <clears throat> All I would see is that three-year-old saying, look, mommy, a butterfly. Oh, that's gut-wrenching. Yeah. You know, so so you don't know where the person's coming from. So also I, when I'm saying, they'll say, well, you're just nor normally in a good mood. Well, I, I'm a pretty <laughs> cheerful person, but it takes work, you know? I mean, I was a serious kid. It's always the new kid. And, uh, you know, it, it takes work, but I have to be careful to know that, you know, maybe they're dealing with chronic depression, Maybe they had bad parents. I luckily had parents that were wonderful. You know, they didn't, they weren't cuddly. The 50s parents weren't cuddly, but they were certainly there. They loved us and we were taken care of, you know, felt safe. And I could do the same for my own. But um, right. I think, I think what you've been through by the time you get to my age, that's another thing. If you don't learn or somehow grow with it, I wish you luck because then, yeah, it might seem pretty dark this getting older. Yes. Yes. So uh, I find the title of your book too peculiar. I find it interesting because baby, I'm the boss of me. When I read that and I still see it here, I'm thinking to myself, this woman doesn't want to be a partner to somebody. This woman doesn't want a man telling her what to do. She doesn't want to have to report back. She wants to live free, liberated, happy and her, the way that i'm taking the way that you equate happiness is exactly that baby i am the boss of me and nobody else is and there's nothing you can do about it <laughs> yeah and you know i picked that title because i've always been the boss of me i'm the older kid in a big family i don't know i just i i never my neither of my husbands or no one i've ever been with has been the type to say you're gonna do it my way or no way you know it's just, and and because i don't pick that kind of person Either. Right. I, I don't see that working for you based on the short conversation that we've had so far. Yeah. So, but the baby on the boss of me thing is those kind of titles um, are those kind of stupid sort of titles like me, myself and Paris. Um, they get noticed more, they get picked up more, you know, people like those kind of titles. And so, I mean, I could have, I forget what I, my original title anyway, but, but baby on the boss of me is, do you have children? I do. I have three okay. girls. And you know, when they're standing there at their and they're four years old and they're looking up at you and they're saying, I'm the boss of me. 
you know that's a little how i felt after this i thought this at this age man i you know i mean hey 70 come on if you if you're gonna i i have a good 30 years in front of me if genetics you know if nothing disastrous happens and so i'm not <clears throat> i'm not gonna throw away that hard work getting here you know i totally blew my 20s you know by 30 when i divorced the first husband and started officially writing that's when i began you know being more in charge of my life but i'm trying to figure out do you consider yourself a feminist Oh, my God. Yes. You, you, you should have seen me this latest Roe versus Wade, as opposed to back in 73 when it first passed. But I don't want to get into politics. Right. But you do consider oh, yourself a feminist. feminist. You, you're, you're the type of person that believes. What, what does that mean to you? Because everyone has a different definition. What does feminism mean to you? Yeah. Well, I, it certainly does not mean I hate women. It does. Uh, men. It doesn't mean that at all. It, you know. I loved my father, my son, my my various men, my wonderful. I lost us. He earlier on we transitioned our relationship into a very nice friendship, but he died last October, and I'm I can't believe he's gone. You know, but but uh, being a feminist means being aware of our rights, how we don't have them. And we get patted on the head a lot, and it still happens, and particularly now, it's like reemerged. And of course, our poor men are always saying, "No, no, 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 no! I, I hate. I'm, I'm not the boss of you. You know that kind of thing." I mean, so there's so many men out there that don't live like that. But it, politically speaking, it just feels treacherous. Just feels treacherous. The Roe versus Wade thing. They're gone. And particularly, I detest the women. Who go there but that could also be a religious thing too so i don't know but it just but, means yeah, but the roe versus wade thing i, I understand but there's got to be more to whether you're pro-choice or pro-life which like you said we don't need to talk politics but what exactly does that mean i mean i've seen your some of your stuff you don't cook you said you haven't cooked a meal in years did you believe oh, it? I do. i'm you, cooking again <laughs> you're cooking again so do you, do you believe that that when you're in a relationship with a man the woman should be doing most of the the kitchen stuff Oh, oh totally no. I, I never, you know, I never had that experience with either of my husbands. You know, I, I, I never put myself in that 1950s woman role. I, I, I mean, politically speaking. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the various laws out there, the and it depends on where you live, too. You know, if you live in Paris, men just adore you. They just love their women. You know, and it, here in the States, you get all kinds because we're such a mix, which is just what I love about this country. I mean, you know, it's it's everything. But I, for, for me, being a feminist means owning your own power. Do not defer to anyone unless you honestly think they have it right. You know, you can gracefully lose an argument if you need to. And it starts with both your father, your husbands, and your sons. That's where it starts. And your brothers. For women, practice on them because they love you and you love them. When you say but, practice on them, what do you mean by practice? I mean, assert yourself. If, if you find yourself going on that goddamn boat ride one more time and you hate it, but he loves it. You know, just in, in little ways like that, say, you know, I'm not going, you can go on the boat ride. I'm not going to go on the boat ride. And they'll always pitch a fit. Husbands. I remember the first time on my, our honeymoon, my husband and I, second husband, <clears throat> went to St. Bart's. 
and we lived in Baltimore, the East Coast. So, <clears throat> and it was, and he was like, okay, we get up in the morning. What are we going to do this morning? And I said, he said, let's start with a run. And I said, a run? I run at home. I'm on vacation here. I am not going on a run. He said, well, why? Well, I, I said, fine, you go on your run. And then he said, what, what are we going to go see? What I said, I just like to kind of lose my way through. It was like that rather than saying, okay, you know, whatever you want, <laughs> we're going to do on this trip. Because I want to so equate it. You equate it with a, a, a feminine, you're equating the male female dichotomy, we'll call it, based upon men always assert, you know, always having the final say or always being right or always picking everything. And you're going, that that's a, that's an extreme, right? That's an extreme kind of uh, um, approach. I think what you're saying is, is that you don't always have to do what your man wants you to do. You can, you can be independent thinking, but is that necessarily feminism or am I misunderstanding? Well, what do you think feminism is? Why are you asking me trick questions, Ruth? <laughs> because um, I think feminism... what's your sun sign? What's your well, listen, I have three daughters. Oh, oh, well, good. okay. So you know, I am very, I'm very much, uh, you know, I obviously want the best for them. I think that they can strive to be great and successful in their lives and have the equal opportunities that men do. Men and women are clearly not created equal. We're not. We're different in so many different ways, like. Physically speaking, you know, men are much more emotionally speaking. Women tend to be much more. I mean, we're, we're given different defaults, I would yeah. say. Now, there are different outliers across the, the spectrum, but there are clearly different things about us. Um, so when I see feminism, I, I don't know. I just think of of the big the men are the big bad wolves and the women are supreme. And that's kind of my my take. Ah, uh, well, your daughters know, you know that they love you and you love, no, no, feminism for women, I feel should mean, don't go that way. Don't see right there, trying to please, I'm trying to please the man I'm talking to with my description <laughs> of feminism, you know, and no, you're just giving me, but there. see, the thing is, there. but you say that you're trying to please, and I think you're just trying to explain your, your, your point of view, which is a healthy dialogue. But you, you're, oh, you're, you're, you're taking it to mean I'm trying to please somebody. I don't think that, see, I'm not receiving it that way. Oh, I'm not good. receiving that you're trying to please me. Thank God. No. Right. I, flirt. I remember when I got divorced the first time, a friend of mine said, you have got to learn to flirt again. <laughs> there you go. I've got a Southern mother. <laughs> I know how to flirt. But so I'm not gonna flirt we're getting close here to finishing up. But so, so back to the flirting and sex and the relationships and all these things. Have you ever had your heart broken by a man? No, you've never had your heart broken. Intro, you but you you have broken hearts. I think my second husband, your not second the first husband. one. The first one and I, we were very happy. So right, we separate ways. Your second husband. Yeah, but and he rebounded. He rebounded. So if a guy's listening to this and he sees you, you know, I have, I have. A, this is a diverse episode. We've got people that are in their twenties. We got people in their sixties, seventies listening. So. Gentleman who's close to your age, he's maybe divorced, widowed, what have you. And he sees this and he goes, you know, this is interesting. This Ruth Yunker, I want to check her out. She's on YouTube. She's got books. She's big on social media. She seems to live this lavish lifestyle. She's always at the beach preaching to people. You know, <laughs> oh, lavish. It looks cute. That's very cute back there. Uh, <laughs> so 
what what's what's the advice? He 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 somehow takes you out. You're willing to meet up with him in Long Beach or Newport Beach or Los Angeles or so, wherever, and uh, he takes you out. What would be your ideal date at this point? Well, you know, there's not just men out there, for starters. Okay, <laughs> so it doesn't have to be a man. It doesn't and, have to be a man. You're willing no. to go out with a woman. Oh yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And now the curveball of the century. <laughs> Here it comes. Okay, so you don't discriminate, first and foremost. I don't discriminate. It's, now, are you, are you, have you always been into women or is this later in life? No, always both. All always on. both. Now, were you and both husbands knew? I mean, so, I was faithful because. <laughs> so let me ask you is it, if you're, is that faithful if you're married to your husband and then you have an intimate relationship? or experience with a woman would that be cheating yes i had a friend once way back this was way back when i was in my 30s in baltimore and he was a psychiatrist and his wife says well if i you know ruth is right now she's you know she's going out with a woman it was in between husbands and and i was just wondering would you think it'd be un i would be unfaithful if i had sex with her and he said yes sex with, with whoever you're with you're you know and i'm not in the flimsy relations. So don't get that wrong. I am not promiscuous at right. all. Right. So, um, but you know, so right now, either a man or a woman, I just don't have one right, right this very minute. And losing my David last October, that kind of shut me down in a way that surprised me. You know, I'm really like, how could you go? <laughs> But you have been with women in your life, you said, in between yes. in between your marriages. Yes, huh. I say there was one woman who broke my heart in a way. Really? Yeah. She broke her heart because she she ended it. She cut it off. She, I don't really know how to describe it. She was um it was it was a while back, but um she was she was worried about committing to a woman. You know, she couldn't quite go there. She didn't like men, but she couldn't. I, it, she was, it was just like that. And I don't know why I put up with it as long as I did, but oh. I did. Yeah. And you got, and you fell in love with this woman. Yes. Oh yeah. We had she a great She couldn't talk. get there. She couldn't get there fully because she was worried about what everyone else was Socially doing. speaking, I think. She yeah. was German too. So maybe that. She was German. Hmm. Yeah. Place on, I don't know. I'm German ancestry. So I don't know. But that was, that would be the one. Well, I don't know if she so much broke my heart. Uh, I think I'm way too self-protective for that at this point. But she, I didn't win in the end. You know, she didn't, she didn't come. I finally stopped it. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. You, know, you, you didn't win. It. See, when you say stuff like that, so do you look at a relationship as if it, it, it is a, a game of winning and losing? Well, you win if you, like with your fiance, she said yes, and you all are getting married. If she hadn't said not yet, not yes, would you have felt you'd lost something? Um, I, I would have felt, I would have felt distraught and devastated. Absolutely. Right. That, yeah. Okay. I would have felt very sad. Um, well, the form of losing. Maybe so, it's the word, you know. So did you win when you divorced your second husband or your first? Did you win when you divorced him, the second one? Well, woman? I let's put it this way. As far as that was concerned, I win isn't the right word. I mean, you're grabbing onto those. So I, I don't know how to 
I just did the right thing for myself psychologically with both husbands. I'm, okay. I, I was very pleased. The first one was a shakier thing because I'm Catholic. My parents were like, oh, my God, divorce, you know, things like that. Um, but I didn't want him near our children. He wasn't I, he wasn't violent or anything like that. And he played his alimony and his child support for years after. I mean, he did the right thing that way. But he was an alcoholic. And I was going down the drains of alcoholism at the time then, too. But I didn't know it. I quit drinking after I divorced him for about 10 years. Right, right, right. So, okay, so you don't look at it as a game. I'm just curious the way that you're, you're No, out. no, no. You're a very unique person. Yeah, I just so, throw those words out if, you know, I figure, well, you know, but but so both of them were good. So, so you're so men and women alike, they pop into your DM. Go ahead. What's an ideal date? Where do what do you want to do? Oh, an ideal date. Oh my yeah. goodness me. Frankly, dinner at home in our leisure wear with a nice, warm, lovely bedroom waiting after this great dinner. That's it. Wow. Nice and simple, huh? Yeah, yeah. Very the rest you have to yell, you have to shout, you have to worry about the mask. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are in Los Angeles. You should have moved to somewhere else where the where they're not so crazy about that stuff. I don't know. I spent the first three months of the pandemic up with my daughter in Oregon. Was there by mistake and ended up being there three months. It was the best three months. I mean, we really it was nice being with her that long. Yeah. And the second part of it was in Macomb, Illinois, which is three hours south of Chicago. Uh, so I've spent my hands so up the first seven months of the pandemic. I was isolated regardless. <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. Um, well, listen, this is very insightful. You are a very diverse person. You're an author. You're a YouTuber. You're a speaker. You've got three books, two of them about Paris. Obviously, she likes Paris, folks. Yeah. And next next October. Not this year. Next year. I've got to get back. I miss it. You're going back next year, a year from now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, very interesting stuff for people that want. We will link your book, your latest one, baby. I am the boss of me. And again, <laughs> there it is on the screen. My journey to ageless. The 73 is the new 30. Here yeah, she is. No, that's a, I have had a lot of people say younger women are reading my book because it gives them hope. Kind of like oh. Marlena Dietrich or Jane Fonda. Now I look at Jane Fonda and go right on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess you can inspire any, any women, especially regardless yeah. of their age. Cause they're going, Oh, getting old is not so bad. Okay. Got yeah, a lot to look exactly. yeah. I'm surprised, but that is turning out to be the truth for me now, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Um, which is very, uh, gives people a lot of hope for sure. Um, where do you want people to find you online, social media, et cetera? I think my Instagram Ruth.Yunker is the most indicative of me. My YouTube has been dormant uh, since the pandemic, and I'll get back to it. I'm not sure in what form. I blathered on too long. Facebook, I'm not on as much. But so I think Instagram is. Instagram. There, there I talk is. about, that's what I taught my platform there is platform it evolves but is finding the joy in the tiny little free things in your daily life every day notice a little miracle that leaps out at you you know i mean yesterday i caught a spider inside and brought him outside and he was still alive i hadn't managed to crush him and i and brought him outside and usually i get outside and they're not in the napkin anymore or i've managed to kill them but i saved this little spider yesterday instead of killing him, which is really what i like to do I don't Whoa. like spiders in the house. They they bite me. I don't know why. 
Spiders are pretty creepy. I'm not a spider fan. <laughs> Somebody says it means you're a traveler. Did you ever watch the movie Arachnophobia? Oh my God, no. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I think I saw parts of it when I was very young, and I, I think I've been terrified of spiders ever since, especially tarantulas. Oh, no. Those tarantulas are the creepiest looking creatures alive. I know, and they used to wear them on a, didn't they put them on a pin and pin them to their shoulder and they could crawl around because they're not dangerous or something, or the male oh, or the I have no light or something like that? Well, hey, if you're a spider lover, don't reach out to Ruth. Everyone else is welcome, men and women alike. <laughs> hey, listen, thanks yeah. so much for the conversation today and all the best to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And the father of three girls, you got it made. Thank you. <laughs>